I, I'm an old man. I'm an old man with a few secrets, such as uh, losing my virginity to a prostitute in Saigon. Not a feisty Saigon whore like the GIs used to have during war days. No, I'm Canadian. I booked my plane ticket, like many others, during peacetime in order to lose my virginity to a Saigon prostitute. Well, alas, the time has come. My petty secrets mean little in the face of ominous signs of threats to global peace. A time is coming where we will need to set aside our grievances with each other, or perish. I feel that our country has never been so divided, rudderless, with no leader at the helm. And perhaps this is by design. Perhaps a totalitarian regime has infiltrated our lives through words and pictures while amassing vast amounts of our personal data to use against us and learn when we are ready to stand aside. Maybe this or these regimes see us now sufficiently divided and feel emboldened enough to invade their neighbors with impunity. Maybe they're correct in surmising that we pose no credible threat to them anymore. Well, I hope they're wrong. I hope we're not finished. I hope we can stand up for ourselves. I hope so. I'd also like to take this time to apologize to Betty, Hazel, and whoever else they may have passed along the gonorrhea that I brought back from Saigon so many years ago. Just want to let you know that I love you all. The views and opinions expressed in the following episode of This Week in the West Kootenays do not necessarily reflect those held by BC legend Steve Nash. Listener discretion is advised. This Week in the West Kootenays Hello and welcome to This Week in the West Kootenays. I'm Tim, the host of this program, and on this program we have Uncle Gus, formerly of the GOAT and uh, Juice FM radio stations. He's going to be joining us. It's a great chat. You know who else is joining the program? No, you don't, because I have not told you. Well, his name is Reverend Ted. And Reverend Ted's going to read us a scary story in his... He's called Burning Books. You're not going to want to miss that. That's after Uncle Gus. Then we'll talk about recycling, overpasses, and finding bodies. We were driving to a cabin to get together with friends of ours for the weekend. Well, we were a couple of hours into the trip when I realized that the charger for my phone was on the ledge when we were leaving and I had forgotten to grab it. I just want to cut in here and say that it was a, it's a beautiful drive up there and we were probably about 55 minutes in. Yeah, I saw the charger on the ledge, but I thought someone else would grab it. Oh no, what about charging the phone? As far as I was concerned, we'd be in the boonies, so where would we get a charger? 
Yeah, it's saying into the boonies would be a stretch, but you wouldn't want to be caught out there without a charger. Finally, my husband says, well, we have to stop for gas, so I'll get one at the gas station. I said, gas station? They have chargers there? I think it's great that they have chargers at gas stations. Sure is convenient. Well, we pulled into the 7-Eleven. And I gotta say, it wasn't actually a 7-Eleven, it was a shell. And lo and behold, I bought a charger inside a gas station. It worked and everything, and we had a charger for the weekend. We also got like some of the old Dutch chips that were on sale. Hey honey, go ahead and tell them what happened next. Then my pussy got soaking wet and we had sex in the car. (laughs) I listened to a lot of true crime podcasts. Like even back in the day, Unsolved Mysteries got me started on this. And uh, American, uh, fuck it, whatever that show is called. Do you know what that show is called? Norbert, oh fuck. The one with John Walsh, America's Most Wanted, that one. So true crime, man. And what I noticed in a lot of true crime is who is finding the bodies. And it's people who are uh, either maintenance people, like working in yards or janitors, or they're hikers, hunters, or fishermen. Like, those are the highest odds. And I would, do, I would put gold panners up there, but I don't really hear much. There's not many, many, as many gold panners are there as hunters. So maybe it's just because I listen to so many true crime podcasts, but whenever I go hiking, I'm like, please, I don't want to find a body. Imagine that. That would suck. But why don't we turn that fun and say, whoever finds a body, the first person to find a body this summer in the West Kootenays gets a hundred bucks. That's what I heard. Someone's donating a hundred bucks. I don't know who yet, but a hundred bucks to find whoever finds the first body this year. And then we'll solve the crime. This week in the West Kootenays contest season is here again. This year, we're having a contest for whoever finds the first dead body of the year. Whoever finds the body reports it to the police, obviously, maybe, if you want, whatever, man. Just go ahead and let us know, though, at wkwk at gmail.com. You'll win 100 bucks. Happy looking around for dead bodies. I'm Dirty Darby, private detective. I have 20 years of getting to the bottom of shit. Do you have a mystery that needs solving? Well, do you? Do you? Who, me? Yeah, you. Well, maybe. Well, maybe we could talk later, but right now... Why don't we finish recording the ad? Oh, yeah. I'll find anything. I'll get the truth. Someone kill someone? Someone cheat somebody? Someone betray somebody? Well, which is it? Hey. Oh, oh, me again. I, I guess bet- betrayal. Oh, yeah? My dad might be messing around on my mom and... Things aren't looking good for her. Come here. That's right. Yeah. Come here. Sit on my knee. What makes you... Come on. Okay. What makes you think this thing? Well, the hours he's gone, the fights, the perfume. It's obvious. What a jerk. Tell you what, kid. I can find out. And then I can kill him. Kill him? Yeah. 
It's hurting your mom and you. Well, if you want, I can kill them. Then what? Are you going to be my dad? Yeah, I'll be your dad. You got a picture of your mom, though? Uh, yeah, right, right, right here. Yeah, I'll be your dad. Is that your, uh, your dad beside your mom? It is. I can take him, no problem. Stabs, probably. Can you send me that pic? Sure, Dad. Thanks. I'm gonna go pop into the toilet, and I'm gonna whack off to your mom. If I still like her after I'm done, I'll kill your dad for you. Thanks, new dad. You're a great guy. 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 This true story is brought to you by No More Horny Teens Ministries. Today's Christian teens are bombarded with sex messages and sex visuals, which are making them hornier than ever before. Pretty soon, they're flushing a fetus or their career down the toilet and headed straight to hell. How do we prevent this at No More Horny Teens Ministries? Cornflakes. Have your teen eat them every morning and you'll scarcely see hide nor hair of an erect wiener or a wet gooch. Cornflakes. If they don't work, try reading the Bible and eating cornflakes at the same time. If that doesn't work, have them eat cornflakes, read the Bible, and get your pastor over to breathe on them for a while, right in the face with his hot breath. That should do it. NMHT Ministries. Save your teens. Hi, I'm Melissa Higginson, and I am a boudoir photographer here in the Kootenays, specializing in body positivity. So I first got in... That's Melissa, and she does a body positivity photography, which got me thinking, you know, maybe I should do that. You know, I got this one sticky-outy nipple that looks like it's I got like a baby finger poking out from behind the skin. So maybe I should just get Melissa take some good ones and I'll frame a big one and I'll look at it and feel good about myself. But anyway, that's pretty neat. That was on the uh, Kootenays subreddit. Raise your hand if you like recycling. Like taking all the things in your house. And other than not filling the garbage up too much, probably the only reason I do it anymore. Recycling. Putting plastics in one thing. Cardboard and stuff in another thing. Getting my hands all used to separating things and I cared about it for a while but now I don't care about it because I learned what what happens and there's not much my impact is now I'm not trying to recruit people to stop recycling I'm just saying I just feel like confessing I guess so the first reason is that they sell our recycling to a company they probably ship it out they I know they ship it out to China depends on the the country Southeast Asian countries sometimes buy the plastics and things, but most of it gets chucked into the landfill. And I mean, really, most of it does. And another reason, because listen to this stat, 20 of the top companies, the global emitters, 20 of the companies emit 47.2% of all of all of the stuff, 20 companies. And you know what, this, this is a bad one here. The number one polluter in the whole world is China coal. The coal mining in China, 14.32%. <laughs> I 
of the whole world, the next highest is 4.5%. Saudi Aramco. So like an oil and gas company. Doesn't that make me taking, separating the uh, cereal box plastic out of the cereal box, folding up the cereal box, putting it sideways into that little blue bin so that it holds in the other stuff and doesn't fill that up. And then crumpling up the plastic, making it nice and flat and putting it over there. And then putting it out on the road and then bringing it back in. What percent is that? What percent do I contribute to helping? So I'm going to take a stand and I'm going to admit my failings as a recycler. Because I'm not doing it anymore. Not with my heart anyway. I'll do it to save the bin space. The next guest, if you ever listen to radio in the West Kootenays, you've heard his voice. He was the voice in the morning show on the goat. He was also on Juice FM. He was all around the town. He was in the community curling, doing the announcements at the hockey games. And I got to work with him for a while. We became friends. And working with him was what I would hope is what I hoped radio was going to be again when I got there. But he was the only one. That was like radio still. And I gotta say, I'm just gonna say it for him. He was not treated very well at that radio station. It's like he was poked at every tiny thing that went wrong was his fault. And he was the one doing all the work. 30-some-year veteran getting leaned on by someone who didn't know what they were doing. And I complained. I could say this stuff because I complained to the HR about this stuff and to the bosses. And obviously the opposite was done what I had suggested. So... <laughs> The man is full of stories. The man's lived the life. He's lived a life of adventure. And without further Adelaide Napston Town, here is Uncle Gus. Tell me a story about being the best pro wrestler in Western Oh, Canada. best pro wrestler? I don't know about that, man. How tight are your tights? My tights, well, they're not, they're loose for everybody else on the planet, but they're naturally <laughs> tight on me. <laughs> I used to have a, I used to go as uh, the Pierogi Prince and uh, Squiggy Magoo. Started out as Squiggy Tuscadero, but then switched my name to Squiggy Magoo. Where was this? This was in Edmonton. Edmonton and Calgary with Stampede. Yeah. Uh, I started out as the colonel, as a uh, referee, or referee and a manager, and I had my own little stable, Then yeah. wrestled a little bit, and then went into Calgary as Squiggy Magoo, and uh, I used to go with a, uh, I had a black mask yeah. with uh, pink stars, I had a black uh, t-shirt that became a, like a tank top with pink stars. The girl I was dating did all the stars for me. I had a Value Village uh, pink and black, uh, what do you call it, uh, trunks. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. And then black leotards yeah. with uh, pink stars. And then my uh, wrestling boots. I had my wrestling boots, which was black. And I put stars on those, so it was like, it was, it was awful. It was like, <laughs> oh, it was like Saran wrapping a cow. It was so bad, man. And, uh, yeah, and then started wrestling. Just started, uh, I would uh, open up, which is always tough because you, you want to get the crowd going and everything else. And I was what they called the heel 
I was part. I was a heel in wrestling, and uh, that's the bad guy. That's right? the bad guy, brother. That's the bad guy. And uh, I had I had basically two finishing moves. One was the uh, pierogi press, and the <laughs> and <laughs> and the cabbage roll. So what I would do is uh, basically it would be a uh, scoop slam. Basically, I scoop the guy up, slam him down, you know, with my weight, and then I would jump on him, you know, and then I would roll over top, like a cabbage roll, oh, and yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. And then as I rolled the second time, I'd hook the leg and try and get a three count, which I never did. <laughs> would you be allowed to win? No. Would I be allowed? Yeah. So uh, you pin the guy for real? Uh, no. No, it's we all know what the, what the gimmick is. You have a booker, and uh, nine times out of ten, well, ten times out of ten, I would be the guy. Probably, it's I was I was what they call in the business not only a heel but also a jobber, where you make the other guy look good. Yeah, you you were gonna lose. You know, like there was like the eighties and late uh, late eighties, early nineties were was the uh, was the era for the jobber in wrestling, where you had you knew that. You know, guys like Barry O and uh, uh, Barry Horowitz and all these guys, you knew they were going to lose. They were jobbers, but they were yeah. good at it because they made the other guy look good. And uh, my my biggest thing is that, you know, I, I sucked, man. I was terrible. I, I knew how to take a bump. Yeah. Nothing too major. <laughs> you know, it's not what they're doing now. But, you know, I could take a, I could take a suplex. I could take... You know, off the top rope kind of thing, go through a table, you know, how to take a pile driver and all that kind of stuff and how to dish out uh, certain things. But um, what, what, I, what I would do is to make them look good, you know, get the crowd going, you know, and then when I lose, you know, you, 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 gotta, you got the crowd motivated yeah. and it's, it would set you up. And so that's, it's just like anything else, like even a comedy show. When you're, when you're the first guy out there, it's tough because you got warm to warm up the crowd and you got to get them going. Yeah. So that was my job. So yeah, I did that for a while, like I say, with uh, with the uh, Brogy Prince kind of thing, and then got hooked up, of course, with the uh, Hart Brothers, and be, it became part of a facet there. Uh, we were a part of uh, what was known as the Honor Roll, and uh, I was known as Squiggy Magoo, uh, Squiggy Magoo there. <clears throat> and what we were, the Honor Roll was a bunch of like school guys and that kind of stuff. We were like they, we had the Principal Pound. John Cosman, who really helped out with you know my career and that kind of stuff, the nicest guy in the world, God rest his soul. He was Principal Pound. He was our principal. Then we had Master Yates out of uh, he's now out of Grand Prairie. Good guy, real good guy. He was the second in command. He was he would dish out punishment. And then there was us flunkies that would go in and, and, and wrestle. And everybody won except me in that group. <laughs> so when they call me out, they go, "Hey, it's Squiggy Magoo." Blah 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 blah. And, Sometimes when I lost, I would get strapped. I would get you know whipped, beat on. It was just, it was so much fun. I and then uh, uh, we had fun doing it that way. Then we uh, we were part of and I mean, we we got we, we had TV taping once Stampede came back yeah. on TV. It was like the second coming of Stampede Wrestling. Uh, we had Bad News Allen commentating. We had a you know we had all the old veterans back. And I remember we were wrestling. Uh, we were, we were, our group was going to take on Harry Smith, uh, Davy Boy Smith's uh, son, yeah. and uh, and Diana Smith, and it was Harry Smith's first grandson who ever wrestled. So there was Stu Hart, there was Stu Hart, 
Helen Hart were still alive. They were both alive at the time. And all the hearts, all the hearts were there. And here's us going in against this, this Harry Smith, right? So the, right off the bat, we're going to go attack him. So we go in and attack him. And I get in there and I get the bulldog. I go, boom, boom. They didn't even know my name pretty well. I said, well, the fat guy got belted. Who is that guy? Uh... Let's call him Squiggy Magoo. That's good. I'm glad you did. So we're out in the we're out in the out in the on the wings and that kind of stuff. And uh, principals taking on Harry and all that. He was like 16, right? So we're wrestling him and that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, our our main guy's getting beat on. So we want to get in and after him. So I'll never forget. Uh, Yates goes in, hammers him in the back, takes the Ginsu stick. Yeah, they like got stick. Hammers the kid in the back. Then um, uh, all of a sudden, his mom comes out, Diana Smith, out of the blue, belts her. <laughs> all the hearts come out, and we we had no idea what's happening. Yeah. All I know is that we got to grab a heart and start pounding on him. So I get Bruce, and I'm pounding on him, and he's pounding on me, and we're punching each other and everything else like that. And then all of a sudden, Davy Boy comes running into the ring. He runs into the ring, knocks him, uh, knocks out uh, uh, William, knocks out. Uh, uh, principal pound and then we all have to go dash into the ring so we all get hit in the head with the stick then we roll out and everything else we're all hammered up hammered by what's been going on so match is over we have, we have the, and then they have talks on the mic so they're talking on the mic and we're people are just losing their minds because we were after hell and we somebody smacked stew <laughs> it's like don't smack stew I was like <laughs> so they're yelling at each other and all that and it was it was amazing just an amazing so we're doing the interviews and I'm inside and uh, we're all you know hurt and that kind of stuff and we're talking and my uh, the, you know, the, the guys are talking I don't get to talk on this stick but he's talking on the stick and doing a shtick and unbeknownst to us Bruce would do anything like these hearts would do something and not tell nobody so all of a sudden guess who comes running in here comes here comes uh Davy Boy, here comes Anvil, here comes Brad Hart. Where the hell were these guys? They weren't in the back. <laughs> Holy crap! These guys are coming in and they all powder. It's powder, just like leave the ring. I didn't because I was yelling at a bunch of university kids. So I'm left in the corner. And I look at my, I look at, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And so I'm looking and they said, go after him, go after him. I said, no, don't go after him. So in and, and, and wrestling, you find out which one you're going after in that situation. First one that you know sort of gives you the indication. So and they hit hit the uh, left hand or his shoulder. So they got Nightheart ready in a football tackle. So I go after him and I do the uh, you know the uh, what's the stooge uh, stooges yeah. you know curly <laughs> and I go running into him. Gives me he hammers me. Gives me the football tackle. I go down. All of a sudden, then I get up. Uh, Davy Boy picks me up gives me uh, a power slam and then uh, Bret Hart puts me in the sharpshooter and, I'm, and I didn't to be honest with you I didn't feel a thing no it's one of the best moments of my life made 50 bucks <laughs> it was <laughs> the greatest by Brett, yeah, I just Hart. got I, exactly it was just like this is the greatest thrill of my life yeah so yeah it was that I, I've had that um, I've, that would be so neat man. oh man it was just a big thrill just spent. You're just oh, spent. oh! I just like the greatest thrill. This, I, I got, a, I got out of that ring, and I got back because they're carrying me out. Because you know, one of the flunkies got hurt. Yeah, it was so freaking cool. Yeah, it was just so cool. And they shook my hands. Yeah, you, 
you know, you did well, you did well, you did well, rookie. I said, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> wow, it was so cool. Like, and then I've worked, and the great thing is, you know, since then I've worked with a lot of big stars, like like yeah. guys that worked indies, like Scott Steiner. I worked Scott Steiner, the scariest thing I ever did. I refereed Scott Steiner. Yeah, I know who that is. Oh, he was, and he has a reputation. You don't know what he's going to do. Oh, really? And he gets he gets writing character, like, bang. And I'm going, oh, my God, I'm going to get killed. He's mad. He's mad as hell at me. And he took a, he picked me up and slammed me at the end. And I went, walked out, and he, he looked at me, and he shook my hand, gave me a hug. I went, I guess I did okay. Good. <laughs> and then the, my favorite one was I am the biggest uh, Roddy Piper fan, and but also the biggest uh, Nikolai Volkov fan. I love Nikolai Volkov from day one. Like, I just, uh, his singing the national anthem was the coolest thing, the Russian national anthem. And in the in the dressing room, he told me what, what it was like to wrestle in front of like ninety thousand people yeah. in, in Detroit, and you know, be with the Iron Sheik and Hulk Hogan and all these guys. And he's he's talking about it, and then he started singing Martin Dean Martin song. This guy's an amazing voice, eh? Yeah. And my gimmick was to stop him in the middle of his song. And I'm going, don't don't give me that gimmick. Don't yeah. give me don't give me that don't give me that angle. I don't want that angle. So he's doing the national anthem. Everybody's losing their mind. So I got to play heel. I stop him, bang, just knock the mic off, pop him once, and, and then roll out the ring and and, uh, and so on. And we have a tag team match, and I'm the third one there. And the ending is that I get rolled up for the win. But he, 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 I'm on the side of the ropes, and I, I know the, I know it's coming. He's going to punch me. He punched me square in the nose. Oh, <laughs> like shoot! It was yeah. like boom. It was like my eyes watered. Like I punched my Nikolai Volkov. That's so cool. <laughs> roll me up, roll me up. One, two, three. That's so cool. That's fifty bucks. Yeah, it's like I didn't even get fifty <laughs> no. bucks. I think I got a bag of chips and a hamburger, that's but it was nuts. freaking. That was worth it, man. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. So yeah, that's other than that, that's been wrestling, bro. Yeah, that's pretty. It's, it's, been, it's been bro. Yeah, it's good. It's been fun. That's the st- <clears throat> That's a lucky way to start off, eh? Doing yeah. something you really like, yeah. Meeting all those people, and you're like, man, you always well, have that. You, you know, always, you'll always have that. And that's the thing with, um, you know, with this radio thing. You know, it's been it's been a fun thirty plus years, and hopefully it keeps going yeah. know, somewhere. But um, it's um, uh, you got. I've had a chance to do motorsports with it. Yeah. You know, toured all across Canada, U.S. with motorsports. Um, performed in front of sixty thousand. Yeah. Uh, that's that's cool. Like all those wonderful memories, you know, you, you know, like flash back on Facebook, and you go, "Hey, I got to do that. It's pretty cool," you know. And um, it, it just puts it back in reality that you know, I probably, can, you know, I got enough, I got enough talent and and stuff that I can probably get a job. You know, yeah, I'm probably well, gonna get something. I gotta say this: I've never seen anyone run a station, two radio stations like you did. You're doing the news, you. sports, weather. Uh, the station in Grand Forks morning show or afternoon mornings. show? Mornings. Morning show. Mornings, yeah. This morning show, and you were voice tracking afternoon somewhere, weren't you? Yeah. That was five time. things. I, you know what I used to do? Like 20 clients in sales in the afternoon show. Yeah. I was freaking taxed. Oh, no I shit. I was taxed, man. That's a lot of Doing stuff. Doing one live show a day yeah. should be all you have to do. Well, and that's exactly, right? that's all Shelton does. Yeah. Because it sure seems like that's a lot of work. Yeah. But you're doing yeah. all these other things. And like this, click, click. Hey, guys. I'm really happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah, well, and that's the thing. You, you do you come up here and do mornings, and you do your news and sports and everything else like that, and do your show. And I said, I did all this for you over Christmas. I had one day off of Christmas. You had ten. How is that goddamn fair? Yeah, yeah, all and, the time. Well, you, we, we, you and I listen to radio differently than anybody else. 
Yeah, but what other people have said, and a uh, gal who from that I'm seeing in, in Langley says, uh, he talks down to people. Yeah. Like, you're talking down to me. Don't talk down to me. And, <laughs> and that's, it's like, what is this? No, no, you don't talk down to somebody. You talk at somebody, with somebody. You know, you have fun, you laugh, you, you giggle, you make mistakes. You know, you don't yeah. sound canned. And it's, that's what drives me nuts. Don't talk down to me. You talk to me as a person. Uh, you know, I looked at some of the things that I got back from people, what they had to say. And it, it, what made me feel good is that they liked my stories. They felt like I was talking to them. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. Like I was just talking to you. Oh, a beautiful thing about you was everyone had a personal connection with you. Because mm. you I don't know, you come across you as want. approachable on the air. You're approachable. That's what you and want to be. you are approachable. Exactly. You this could is storm me. right into the radio station and you're, you're safe because you're there. Yeah. Like you could just be someone off the street and you know you're in there. Mm-hmm. They know for sure, even from just hearing you, that I knew from listening to you that I could walk into that radio station and it'll be fun. Yeah. Well, then it wasn't because you're the only one. Yeah. <laughs> it was having fun. Hey, like, you know, cards. Here's the reason why I'm like, oh, this could be fun again. Yeah. Yeah. Because I turned it on. I'm like, oh, this guy's having fun. Yeah. And that's what you got to do. That's what radio's about. But you're faking having fun. <laughs> to a point. Yeah, I know. I know to a point. But yeah, I was still I was still doing bits and yeah. a lot of the bits that I was, it was, it was funny. I just haven't. Having fun when yeah. I fucked up, I loved that fucking up. <clears throat> you know, I've done it for thirty some years. Thirty some years, and like I only did it for five years, probably. Radio, you were and very I, good. I remember like, so many things. Yeah, it's 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 like a great you get to go everywhere. Yeah, and anything yeah. that's happening around you, and and you get to meet a lot of wonderful people. Yeah. And uh, they say, well, you know, you're on the air and that kind of stuff. I I always say, they always say, well, you're a celebrity. I said, no, you know, I'm you're the celebrity. I want to know about you. So let me tell me about your life, so I can put it on the air. And that's, I'd rather know about you than anything else. Yeah. And, and a lot of people that are in the business now don't understand that. No. You know, it's... it's, if, it's you're in, if you're looking for, like, self-gratification or whatever that whatever that feeling is, it's just a str- ego stroke. Your radio's the wrong business to get into. Oh, exactly. Because you're not going to have fun. No. It's a hard work. It, it, it is surprising. It's, yeah. But it's, if it's what you want to do, then it's fun. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's a blast, but I'll tell you. You know, what what people, like young kids today don't understand is that you're not going to be in freaking Calgary or in, no, you're not. in Edmonton tomorrow. You're not going to be on CJ or you're not going to be on whatever Vancouver station. You're not. It's just, it's, it's years and years and years. You're going to start out here. Yeah. You're going to start out trail. You're going to start out, uh, you know, in butt plug nowhere. Yeah, and don't listen to anybody. Do your own yeah. thing. Like, yeah. If, if you get an unfortunate program director, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I think you might get a good one, but I like just keep having fun. I yeah. don't know where else the point is, but but you, you bring if up you a want good to point. do it, just yeah. keep doing just it. Just keep doing it. But you bring up a good point that there's a lot of people that are uh, just hiring program directors that are teaching young kids nothing, nothing, and that they shouldn't be in the position that they are. Yeah, like like we have here, should not be in the position they are. Not because what happened to me, but. It's just, it's not right. You know, like, you're not teaching anything. We had, that's why they're leave. That's why they're leaving right away, because I'm not learning anything here. Yeah. I'm scared to go. I got to get out of here right away. Why? Because, you know, like, all of a sudden, you can't put a kid who just started radio, second week, on the morning show. Uh, Kid Carson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard? Yeah, I heard this. Yeah, go ahead. No, just, I I saw, a girlfriend told me, show me this, about Kid Carson, and he, he just said it like it is. Yeah. He said, basically, I'm probably going to get fired for what I have to say. Yeah. And But I need to say it because I'm sick and tired of this. 
you know, I'm sick and tired of the radio the way it is right now, how the world is right now, how I cannot say anything about the Freedom Rally, how I can't say anything about COVID, how I can't say about our government, how I can't say about this, this, and this, and this. But I can tell you, you know, I can ask you, which do you prefer better, crinkly fries or straight fries? And I thought, God, did you nail it on the head? Yeah. You know, here's my opinion on the freedom. And he gave his opinion, gave his opinion on COVID. And then he did think about, you know, being a, a Mickey Mouse world and how radios turn into something so shitty yeah. right now where, you know, five, ten years ago we could talk about this and now we yeah. can't. And he says, I'll probably be fired from this, but I want to say I'm sick and tired of it. Yeah. And you do get sick and tired of not talking about things. Memos every morning saying, hey, this announcement came, don't say this word today. Exactly. Hey. And that's what we're told from Vista right off the cans. You can't say this, 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 this. But then all of a sudden, get that one extra step saying you can't say, sweetheart, God bless you and all this. I'll say, I will say God bless you because my parents taught me respect. And I told them that. I said, my parents taught me respect. Someone says, if I can't say thank you, if I can say God bless because I believe in God, I don't have to be a Christian, I don't have to be a Catholic, I can be a spiritualist and still believe, which I do. You want to complain? By all means complain because I'll make the biggest goddamn scene on the planet. And that's when they wrote me up. <laughs> Julie Buckingham and myself in, in Winnipeg we were uh, number five out of 26 stations in Winnipeg for a morning show. Nice. And we were, you know, gung, nothing. Our regular numbers were terrible. Thanks for coming out. Everybody gone, man. You just, it's just, you, 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 you live and die by numbers. Yeah, just numbers. And uh, here, you know, shit happens, but you live and die by crap. <laughs> yeah, you live and die by crap. Well, it's just, you live and die by someone else's whim. That's the danger of smaller areas. Well, yeah, and that's, and that's like I said, it, it goes back to, you know, hiding behind somebody's leg to maintain your job. And um, it's not being, you have, you have absolutely no experience in how to lead people. Lead people, yeah. You, you, you know, all you're, in the, all you're in it for is yourself. Oh, hang on a second, man. Hello? Good book? Yes, how are you? Daniel's bio. I like your jacket. <laughs> A big hot and juicy thank you to Uncle Gus for joining me. Sitting down, having a chat. Norbert, dear Lord. He's got like an ear infection. It's poor fella. This segment here is called Burning Books. You're about to meet Reverend Ted. Good morning. My name is Reverend Ted, and I used to be nice. It's morning. And I got up with a bit of a hangover and some coffee. And I'm next to a nice roaring fire on a beautiful, I don't even know what day it is, but I know it's today. Now this segment is called, uh, tentatively, Burning Books. Because that's what I'm, uh, I'm in the mood for today. See, I've been cleaning off my bookshelves, and uh, I've been finding some books my uh, ex-wife left me. 
because, well, mostly because she forgot. I got some real winners here. Just a sec here. Let me <laughs> let me take down the first candidate here because this one's going in today. Here, just a sec. Mm. Fuck yeah, that's good. <clears throat> this one's called Passionate Marriage. And this is the book she bought to save our marriage. Unfortunately, I think you had to read it before you got into trouble. <laughs> and she got 152 pages in. Actually, I read the darn thing about last year. It was quite good, but yeah. Kind of pointless now. Anyway, into the fire. Ah. Ooh, look at that sucker burn. Must be all the highlighter she used. Mmm. <laughs> And this one. Oh, another highlighted classic. Do I have to give up me to be loved by you? Well, you know. The short answer is, yes you do. <laughs> In you go. Burn. Burn, burn, burn. And I'm going to read you a story. Nothing quite nearly as depressing as that, though. But, yeah, let me adjust the mic. Get some coffee. Don't you just love this commentary? I love it. Hmm. <clears throat> I'll read you a little campfire story as we watch these two burn <clears throat> satisfactorily in very pretty green flame. Alright, bear with me. I'm sure this is going to be an enlightening tale about relationships and stuff. This one's called The Hook. At a certain campground on Vancouver Island, a dance was held every Saturday night in an enormous tent. Enormous tent. All of the campers were invited, and that is how one particular young couple met, because that's how they always do, at a drunken tent party. After a few slow dances together and some conversation, which I'm sure was enlightening, the young man was hopeful that romance might be in the air. Young men always are. He suggested they go for a drive in his car. The girl agreed, but she soon felt they'd driven too far, because they always do. And by the time she spoke out, they were on a dark, deserted stretch of road. Of course. It's getting late. I don't think this is a good idea, she declared. I'll stop if you like, he reassured her. We can do a little stargazing and get to know each other better. He steered the car to the side of the road and turned off the ignition. They were deep in the forest. Towering coniferous trees surrounded them. Only the merest sliver of the moon, but no stars shone through the forest. How do they see the moon, then? Hmm. We can't see the sky from here, the girl pointed out. Details, eh? But the young man didn't reply. He unzipped... Oh, wait. <laughs> he seemed content just to look at her. He slid across the front seat and put his arm around the girl. Oh, this is gripping. Mildly tingling here. Yeah, just a second. Cup of courage here. Mmm. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. <clears throat> she allowed him to kiss her. But she was wary and kept her wide eyes open. Her eyes wide open. <laughs> her wide ass open. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <clears throat> the young, 
The young man could sense her discomfort, and eventually couldn't hide his frustration any longer. So he unzipped. No, he didn't. Don't you like me any more? He asked with an edge to his voice. Oh, don't you like me any more? He asked with an edge to his voice. I'm frightened out here in the middle of nowhere. My friend told me there's a deranged killer on the loose. And you know, there's always a deranged killer. It's not a very sane killer. It's a deranged killer. As if killer is not deranged enough. Jesus. Who wrote this? Never heard of her. Of course, it's a her. Oh, sexist. You can delete that. The young man heard that story, too. But he was sure that it was all it was. Just a story. Gossip. Rumor. People called the killer Captain Hook because he had a metal hook where his right hand had been. Arr! <laughs> and a peg leg where his penis was. That's a bunch of malarkey, assured the girl. There's absolutely nothing to worry about. Besides, I'm here to protect you. <coughs> Set up. <laughs> With that, the young man advanced upon the girl again. Protect, protect, her, wrapping her tightly in his arms. For a few minutes she tried to get into the spirit of things, but every snap of a twig or moan of the wind in the trees made her jump and shiver with fear. When she gasped, What's that? The young man ran out of patience. It's nothing! He snarled. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> There's no one else here. When will you stop behaving like a scared little kid? His taunt set the girl into a fit of tears. <laughs> I'm scared, she sobbed. <laughs> I can't shake this horrible feeling that something bad is going to happen. Neither can I. That's already happened. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Hey, something bad has already happened. The young man seethed. Seed me. You ruined our evening. We might as well drive back. Oh, cock blocked. He started the car, slammed the transmission into gear, cranked the steering wheel around, and stepped on the gas. Pedal. Gas. Pedal. The tires spun for a second, then gripped, sending out a spray of dirt and gravel. The car bounced and swerved violently before he regained control. Little impetuous man, don't ever get in the way of a man and his penis. Ever. Especially a young man. Mm. <coughs> Stunning. Gripping. Brilliant. Bravo. If I had a hand free, I'd applaud. <coughs> Inside the car, neither he nor she said a word. The young man drove aggressively, obviously demonstrating his fury over being rebuffed in such a childish way. She sat as far away from him as possible. Well, obviously not. She wasn't in the back seat or the trunk. Her shoulders sagged with relief when she saw the lights of the campground up ahead. Now she felt foolish for having been so nervous. The young man stopped the car by the oversized tent where the dance party was still going strong. He decided to act like a perfect gentleman, just in case anyone is watching, because he's like that. He got out of the car and started to walk around to open the passenger's side door for the girl. Well, obviously, he is a gentleman. 
As she watched him, the girl felt even more foolish, thinking that she'd misjudged him. You're darn right. She decided to sit where she was until he opened the door for her. But he had disappeared. Where was he? Had he gone to the dance tent and just left her in the car? She looked out her side window. The young man was there, standing several feet away, looking pale and shaken. His face twisted into an expression of revulsion and horror. His gaze was fixed upon the passenger door of the car. What's wrong? What is it? The girl cried, opening the door and jumping out of the car. Her movement jolted the man out of a trance. Oh, the young man out of his trance. Out of his pants. Don't look, he begged her. Don't look! Ooh, <laughs> little flare up there. Yeah, let's give that a poke. Yeah, stupid poke. Burn properly, you fucking agent of the devil. Anyway, uh, the young man was jolted out of his pants. Ah, don't look, he begged her. Don't look! But the girl couldn't stop herself. She turned in the direction of the young man's gaze and fell to the ground in a dead faint. Mm, turn the page. There, hanging from the handle of the passenger's side door, was a gleaming metal hook. Oh. Now what is the moral of this story? Don't listen to your penis, listen to the woman, otherwise you'd be killed by a man with a hook. Oh, a deranged killer with a hook. I stand corrected. That was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant tale. And I'm afraid that's going to have to go into the fire. <laughs> oh! Whew. Well, I'm exhausted. Um, well, let's, uh, we'll pick this up again next week when I've got some more things to burn, which shouldn't be too long. I've got a library here of several hundred books, most of which I haven't looked through for years. Hmm. It's going to be a treat. Anyway, I've been your host, Reverend Ted. I wish you a good day. And remember, I used to be nice. Thanks for joining us in this episode of This Week in the West Kootenays. Please, take care of yourself. If you have an idea, send it over to This Week in the West Kootenays, WK and the WK at gmail.com. Until next time, keep fit. And try and be nice to every dog you see, because you never know one of them could be a serial killer. And because you were nice, they didn't kill you in your sleep. <laughs>